Welcome to Real Talk Intervention, our special test review episode. Really more about being really targeted about what you need them to know. I am Sarah Underbrink here, as always, with my co-host, Stephanie Garcia. It's the beginning of April here, which means it's the beginning of assessment crunch month. There's end of course exams at the end of the month for biology, algebra one, and US history. And even if you don't have an end of course exam coming up, finals are right around the corner for you, which means just one thing, it's test review time. We have a lot of experience on test review, Sarah, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, Star, yeah. tax, SAT, TSI, you know, I mean, if, I, guess, I guess if it has letters and it stresses out the kids, then we reviewed it. <laughs> I personally, I love helping these kids get over these rites of passage that we have, hopefully with scores that they are proud of. So if you want to know how we do it, this is the show for you. We're going to talk about what the research is telling us about test reviews and then specifically what um, our best practices are for test review. And very excitingly, at the end of this episode, I will be sharing with you how to get your hands on my biology EOC review system. I'm just going to say this review system is great. It really works. If you're a biology teacher, you're going to want to have a look at this. But honestly, if you're a content teacher who finds yourself uh, struggling with vocabulary a lot with your with your students, I think you're going to want to look at this also. My basic review system is something that's going to work really well with your intervention students, regardless of of content. So this is a really great resource that I'm going to provide to you here at the end of this episode. Sarah, I think that anybody who gets the opportunity to have that is going to be so excited because I know you've got a lot of struggling kids that you work with. Honestly, you can get them to pass at such a high rate. What you're doing has got to be magic. It's got to be magic. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I don't know if it's magic, but I did work really hard on on coming up with a system that works and and works quickly with my kids. So that's exciting. And and before we get into all that, and before we get into what the research is telling us about test reviews, Stephanie, um, let's talk a little bit uh, about what test reviews are for us. What what, what do you think? When I say test review, kind of what comes to your mind there? Torture or um, (laughs) like like a Jeopardy game? I mean, do, does anyone know the weakest link anymore? Or is that too Oh, that'd be fun. Let's do that. <laughs> I love it. Oh, spoiler alert. That's the secret hint at the end of the episode. No. Play the weakest link. Go. <laughs> now they're going to turn it off. They don't want to listen anymore. We're all done. From, from a student's perspective, something where you're just kind of looking over your notes. Um, the teacher might be having like one of those fill in the blank things on the screen and we're all kind of following along. It's like a relearn or a reteach situation as opposed to learning something new. What test reviews tend to look like in the science department is lots and lots and lots of pages, usually really small font because we have so much content. We just want to get everything on there, but we don't want them to be intimidated by how much content there is. So we think we're doing a really good job by uh, making it really small. (laughs) So the font's really small. There's lots and lots of blanks. And I mean, yeah, I think torture is the best way to to look at it is, well, in my opinion, test review generally doesn't really work. And that's maybe a funny thing to say, considering I, I think my job description is probably best summed up as as test review. But I, I don't know that I think test review actually is effective. What do you think? Yeah, no. I mean, for me, I feel like you are an ESL student or an ESL teacher. That's what you are. Um, you're, you're teaching biology, the language of biology. And for me, I think that I'm a, I'm a reading teacher. If I tried to do test review as my job, I think that I would have a horrible failure rate. I think a 
a lot of what we do with test review really depends on the assessment that we're giving. When we were thinking about this episode, I was thinking about the difference in the tax oh, system the versus the star days, system. Yeah. You know, yeah, and the tax system was set up in such a way that, you know, you almost couldn't get away without review. For those of you who may not know, from the science perspective, there were two tests. There was a 10th grade test and an exit level test. And oh, and caveat, what was really fun about that was the 10th grade test counted for our accountability, but didn't have any repercussions on the students. It wasn't a test that they needed to pass. So that was super fun. Well. It was really fun. That was great. I really enjoyed doing that. Um, but the 10th grade test and then the exit level test, and they were kind of composite science tests. So there was biology and chemistry and physics on those tests. And so it was more of an overview of a student's entire science career. And I really don't know how you get around doing this sort of test camp that right. you have to do, which it, it was horrible. And one of the primary things I really enjoy about the STAR is that because it is content specific and it does come at, at the end of the class, ideally, if you have a well-designed curriculum that's spiraling, that's hitting those those appropriate teaks, you know, you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of time doing test review. Right. Right. I agree. I think a lot of, in my opinion, this idea of test review is born from this concept that there is this necessary instructional gap between what we're teaching in the classroom and what is being assessed. Mm. And I think that, that there is an instructional gap when you're not writing your curriculum with that assessment in mind, then you do have to do test review because you are not running your class with an eye toward that exam. For me, when I've been in the situation of running running a class that was going to culminate at the end with a state mandated standardized test, I never spent any time doing test reviews for that, that standardized test because I knew that my curriculum was focused on that exam and I was going in that direction and I knew that my students were, were very well prepared. I think that, yeah. I, I think one of the things we're going to talk about a little bit later is what you mentioned, the spiraling, you know, what is that? How does it impact the curriculum? Because the point of curriculum is to create a long-term memory of the skills and the knowledges and the vocabulary that the kids are going to need out of this class. So at that point, if your curriculum's not creating those long-term memories, I don't know how much a last-minute test review is going to do at the end. Exactly. And I think, you know, this is kind of where the way that I work comes into where, I mean, I say what I do is test review. And I think under one light, what I do is test review. But in, in actuality, what I do is reteach a class and I reteach it with that end in mind. I am very targeted. I am, I, my instruction is directed at that assessment. It spirals. And so it's just sort of like a very careful reteaching, but, but very focused. And so in my job now, where I work with students who I did not have control over the curriculum that they received, you know, it kind of puts me in a situation where I know that my students do need working toward that test. But, you know, we really feel like we have to because a lot of these classes, the teachers are making sure to cover every little piece of biology and they're going into their biology at a very deep level which is not necessarily what I do. So my test review now at this point is more going really, really, really deep on what the standards are that are going to be assessed as opposed to going wide, which is the way the class is taught. These tests are not in isolation. These have been decided, the TEKS, that the state wants all students to have long-term memory of are, you know, these TEKS. 
So when right. we're teaching to that assessment, you're teaching right. the most critical pieces of information in a way that's going to be able to transfer to a new test that they've never seen and hopefully maintain. And that's one of the problems with review as I see it is a lot of times review gets kids through a test, but after the test, it all just just kind of dissipates. Yeah. That's a really great distinction to make. I in no way feel that I compromise the integrity of a student's understanding and knowledge of biology. I, I do feel that it's a minimum standard yeah. of knowledge of biology. You know, it's not a deep pre-AP level of a knowledge of biology, but I, I know I can promise you that my students come out feeling like they know biology yeah. better, not that they are better prepared for a start. You test. had all those kids. Remember all those kids who wanted to be chemists? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> kids who like hated I wonder, science a I wonder year, how they did. You know? I mean, they all want to go be chemistry majors. I so, know. I mean, I if you've them. got kids who, who are struggling and you've got them to the point where they feel like they've got it so much that they want to make that a career, I don't right. think that's test prep or test review. I think that's good teaching. Now that we've kind of broken down how test review looks to us, uh, Stephanie has got a lot of great information about what the educational research is telling us best practices are in test review. So Stephanie, please share with me. I'm, I'm really interested to hear. I, I'm going to be hearing this for the first time along with all of you. So I think teachers can do a lot with just a couple changes. And I want to talk about what those changes are. There is a wealth of information when it comes to test review in the published research that we have. And everything's kind of the same same thing, Sarah. It's the typical review where you are providing the kids with information. Either they get a, a set of notes or they get outlines or they get uh, PowerPoints or they get uh, key terms and definitions. Any reviews that are done where they are re-looking at relearning that information, reading it over and over again, any of those types of things don't seem to work. Uh, like I was saying earlier, they work for a short term. So if they do that the night before the test, they might be able to pull it out. But most likely, since that is a, a one-time retrieval process, they are putting things into their short-term memory, their working memory they're going to use to get through that test, but nothing's going to stick. And if you ask them about that two weeks from now, they will have no idea that you've even mentioned this. You have just mentioned relearning, reviewing, repetition. I I'm pretty sure you just listed every single review strategy that exists. Uh, well, not every one. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a couple better ones. Okay. I'm going to give you the the pattern to follow. First is retrieve, then review, then relearn. So, we're going to start with a practice test. Anything that requires them to practice the retrieval process. Okay. Mm, okay, that's the retrieve part. All right. So after they've done a practice test, then you review how they're doing on that. You go through the question, and then from there, you can go through some relearning or reteaching if you have to, if you see some, some false truths have come up. But for those to stay in, then you want to go through that cycle again. Retrieve, review, relearn. It's kind of like spiraling, and but you're using the assessments not as an assessment of learning, but you're using it to learn. And that's what's so interesting about a lot of this research is they're saying that these assessments are actually a critical part of the learning process. Yeah. Anytime you're using your memory to get the information back, you're creating neural pathways to that information 
that are more quick yeah. and more efficient in the brain. Yeah. So yeah. by doing a review in this way, where you're starting with a retrieval, a practice retrieval, you're going to cement those facts, those those words, those strategies into their brains. Okay, so you're saying that you begin with an assessment, and I'm sorry, so you also end with, do you end with the same assessment? Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily end with the same assessment because of the fact that the novelty of a, of a test that you're using as a review is, is going to increase the amount of retrieval required. So it would be the same information but presented in a different way or used in a different way. So if you did like a multiple choice test one time, you can try to do a short answer test another time. A quick essay could be another way to do that. But you want to change the, the way it's delivered a little bit to, to help increase that that sticking to the brain. I love it, Stephanie. I mean, I can absolutely immediately see the value of, of doing it in this way. I personally always, I always end every single session with a student with an assessment. I've noticed that if you don't end your reviews with an assessment, that learning is not going to stick and it's not going to be there the next time that you see them. Yes. So I've noticed that. But this makes so much sense. I feel like this is more effective actually than the like the typical pretest, post-test thing. I, I may, I don't want to get off on a tangent on this, but I mean, the whole pretest, post-test thing when you're dealing with students having no information about the topic that you're you're getting into, I've never seen that to be very valuable for our intervention students. But when there is something that they should have some retrieval on, I definitely see the value of a pretest on that. Because then when you go into your, your lesson or your activity about what you're needing to reteach, they're going to be thinking about that test mm-hmm. and bringing that information back to it. Honestly, pretests are more effective in something like English. Oh, there's a lot of variability on the different levels of skills and the abilities to go deep into uh, those contents. So yeah, you don't yeah, want to yeah. waste people's time. That makes but sense. with biology yeah. or something discrete, yeah. they don't, they don't know, know anything. anything. Right. Yeah, so what's the point right, of that? Right. Okay. So I want to give everybody just a couple ways that I've worked uh, test prep into what I'm doing. First of all, you've got to do some repeating of these processes. So I try to space my retrieval practice on the twos. So two hours, two days, two weeks, two months. So if I'm teaching a standard, we're going to do a retrieval practice within a couple hours. Um, Sometimes what I've done is sent out remind me's and just had them send me back like a quick word or something like what we talked about. And then two days later, we'll go through a quick retrieval process two weeks later, two months later, and and from what the research is showing, Sarah, that has up to two to three years of long-term storage if you do it on the twos like that. After you've given that retrieval practice, the test, the practice test, you are going to do delay feedback for another, about a day or two, and then when you come back and do feedback, you're going to notice that the wrong answers they chose, they're going to start creating a memory around those wrong answers. So you have to counter that effect with an experience that allows them to rethink about the way they answered that question. One thing I've done that's really worked is a four-square test correction. Let's say it's a multiple-choice test, and they've got... I, I try to make my test five to ten questions max when I'm doing these. I'm not doing these big old beasts like the EOC. So they do the five or ten uh, question test. I mark the ones that are wrong, but I don't do anything to tell them which one is right. I give them 
four squares for each one and they have to on anything that's marked wrong they have to justify why each answer choice is right or wrong so in that box they have to go back and provide the evidence going through their notes whatever they have to do to figure out why each one of those answer choices is right and wrong and if they do that they can I give them a better test score. You know, I don't want them to obviously fail my class, and sometimes they're going to fail where there's a retrieval process, but this way that kind of helps their grade a little bit. Another thing that I like to do is to give them a test that already has the answers on it. Then they have to go through and justify as a group why each answer is correct and why the other ones are wrong. For some reason, that's just, that's just making them create more connections that way. Anything you can think of to help them practice that memory, is that's, that's your money right there. So I'm going to talk a little bit about these strategies that you've, that you've elucidated here from a content perspective. Okay. One of the big struggles where we justify the answer on the multiple choice test with a, with a science right. test, for example. <laughs> Boiler alert, this is not working for you in your science class. That sort of test correction and that sort of method of going through your test. And the reason that it is not working is because the ones that they missed, they do not understand what any of those answer choices said. They do not understand what they mean. And a lot of times, especially in, in science tests, the distractor question stem will be really a pre-AP level of distraction. So that's one of the ways that they will get you to get your students to miss a question is by putting something that's really complicated and really sciencey uh, into the question, knowing that the students will select that. Your students are not really going to be able to justify why certain answers are wrong. They may be able, you can train them if you have well, well done notes, they may be able to justify why certain answers are right, however. So what I like to do when I'm doing this sort of, of test review is I like to instead of say, well, justify why this is wrong, but justify why this is right using that to justify why your other answers are wrong. So for example, a lot of times this is, this is kind of coming down to why this is the best. When you're looking at your answers, you have your right answer, which is usually going to have the, the key terms that are relating the best to the key terms in the in the question. And your wrong answers are going to have good key terms that may not necessarily relate to the question or they may not relate as well to the question. But the, the thing is with, with biology tests, maybe it's true for English too, I don't know. But with biology tests, it, it can be such a large, it's so large as far as from the different standards that they're pulling the content from, that mm -hmm. they're pulling the content vocabulary from. They're not necessarily going to be even capable of understanding why an answer choice is wrong. So to me, it's more about getting down to this is the question, this is the answer, and not that this, this the statement may not be wrong necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just not necessarily relating to the question. Typically, the English test breaks into two different skills, really. So the reading test is more um, justifying your, your evidence or your answer using evidence, whereas right. the writing section of that is a lot more retrieval facts. They have to understand the vocabulary, things like that. And I yeah. found that this works 
fairly well. I do have that same issue when they just don't have enough knowledge, and and that is an issue, but it's good because it uncovers some of those things that I don't know that I haven't taught them well enough, and that's when you're doing that relearn. So if they can't do those things, then I kind of, it helps me narrow down to what we need to, to hit a little bit more before we get into that big day. To me, it's not about like what that reveals they don't know because the bulk of what they don't know is so large. I mean, the bulk of science is so large and they are going to pull from stuff that's way above level Mm -hmm. to to throw in there. So it's really more about being really targeted about what you need them to know and and making sure that they know what they need to know. So when I'm doing the going through the ABCD, I'm having more conversations like, is this something that I told you you need to know? Yes or no? Is this something that is important? Because I mean, I, yeah, it's so easy to it's so easy to throw in all kinds of information to these students mm-hmm. and, and go beyond the depth of where they need to be. So it's about keeping them from being distracted on that. If I tried to structure my if I tried to structure my lesson or my test review based on what my question analysis is revealing, my students don't know. I would be all over the map. You know, it's so funny to me that, I mean, on paper, we have the same job, but we have such vastly different (laughs) jobs. Yeah, it's very true. That's very true. (laughs) Do you know why we put anchor charts up? Uh, I don't know that I know what an anchor chart is, Stephanie. Okay, so an anchor chart is where you have key information for your class readily accessible on a wall somewhere. So the 10 rules of biology or whatever you want to say. I don't know. How, I don't know Ooh, what it would be. The 10, the ten commandments, the ten commandments of, biology. of biology. I'm going to work on that. Or like a process that you want that, that's a repeated process. Okay. Do you know why those are done? So that they are constantly being reminded of those words? That's what I thought, right? But there's an added mm-hmm. benefit to this. Our brains are very spatial. So one thing that you can do to improve your performance on these reviews is everything that you're doing that you think is a key term or process or thinking strategy, put those around the room as you're going through them, as they're learning them. You're going to refer to them constantly while you're teaching. You're referring back to the processes, back to the anchor charts. Take them down before they do some retrieval practice, all right? Do some retrieval practice with them, some retrieval practice without them, okay? When you do that last bit of retrieval practice without those pieces, you're going to notice those kids are doing the test and looking up at the blank area where that chart was because our brains Mm -hmm. create spatial memories Mm -hmm. of the classrooms. And something about just looking at that empty space will trigger their memories. It's crazy. When I read about this, I just could not get it through my head that that, just looking at the space where the chart used to be can help them Mm -hmm. trigger that memory, but that works. That flows perfectly into my letting this, letting our listeners know how they can get to my online test review because my online test review strategy depends very strongly on spatial memory. That is huge. Yes, (laughs) that is huge for me. So huge for kids and a huge benefit to them. Please go to our blog, realtalkintervention.blogspot.com and at the top, you can click on the blogs tab and on that blogs tab you can see some of the amazing blogs that Stephanie and I have been collaborating on writing about different issues such as test accountability and English language learners and on there I will have the link to my biology EOC 
test review system um, along with a sample lesson that you can take into your test review classroom. So that will be available again on our blog, realtalkintervention.blogspot.com, and it will take into account all of these fabulous things that we've talked about today and how you can start implementing them in your classroom right now. So a free resource that I don't have to go on to Teachers Pay Teachers to go get? Well, I mean, if you want to pay me, you absolutely can. <laughs> you know, but for our listeners, I'm gonna be honest. I was on there. I was on TPT the other day, uh, looking for some. I was trying to find how how much I should price something, and I saw a biology review on there that was sixty five dollars. Uh, new plan, everyone. New plan. Uh, when you get to uh, Real Talk Intervention, uh, there will be a PayPal link. No, there will not. What We're giving it away for free. Gonna, oh. Stop it. Oh, Stop trying to be a link. capitalist. Oh. All right, fine, <laughs> fine. We'll keep improving student lives through intentional intervention. I guess. <laughs> I <Gosh>. guess. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this uh, special test review episode. We are Real Talk Intervention. We are on iTunes and Stitcher where you can subscribe to us. We would really appreciate if you could leave us some feedback, leave us a review on iTunes or on our blog. You can follow us on Twitter. I am tweeting at intervene number four real. And we are also on Facebook where we drop all kinds of interesting uh, assessment based intervention based strategies all the time. So find us and like us on Facebook. We look forward to to hearing from you all, and uh, we will be starting the month of April off with a fantastic series called Why Are You Doing That?, where we examine some of the frustrating things that happen in, in education every day. Thank you, and we'll, we'll see you soon. Bye.